This morning, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is alive. He was dead, really dead. And now he is alive, really alive. And I hope that you don't pass over that statement. I hope it's not too familiar to you because the fact that Jesus is alive is the central claim of our faith. The resurrection provides the foundation for what we believe as followers of Jesus. You see, because that statement is true, it's hard to deny the other things that Jesus has claimed. It's hard to deny his, his rightful place in our lives if he has truly overcome death. That power, that resurrection power, that awe-inspiring event, it testifies to a reality that we cannot ignore. A life-changing, eternity-altering reality that we must consider in Jesus. Here's how Paul writes about the resurrection at the beginning of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. Paul, a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel, the good news of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we now have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Did you catch verse 4 there? The, the power of the resurrection according to Paul, that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the resurrection is the exclamation point to the testimony of the Gospels. The event itself offers unquestionable testimony that Jesus is the Son of God. The power of the resurrection, it proves it. The resurrection is meant to be the ultimate sign to us that Jesus is everything he said he was and that he has come to do everything he promised he would do. Think of it like this. Let's say you uh, go on a once-in-a-lifetime vacation to Europe. And while you're there, after walking all of these cities, you're on a train and you fall asleep and you wake up, the, the train operator is trying to get you off the train in a language you don't understand, and you have no idea where you are. You have no idea where you have landed. And so you try to figure out where you are to help you to get where you need to be. And so you start looking around, and you see some familiar things. You see the Eiffel Tower. You see the glass pyramid in front of the Louvre. You see the Arc de Triomphe and the Notre Dame Cathedral. And you you begin to put together, because of all these sites and the fact that you hear people speaking French, that maybe you're in France, maybe you're in Paris. And what you thought to be true is proven true when you finally see a sign written in English, you are in Paris. As we've walked through the Gospel of Matthew, we've gotten a lot of clues about where we are in redemptive history. We've got a lot of signs pointing us to the reality of, of who Jesus is and what he means. Some pretty remarkable displays of Christ's power 
and his authority as the son of God. A lot of scripture's been fulfilled, right? He's born of a virgin. He's healed a lot of people of all kinds of ailments. He's even raised a girl from the dead. All of this given to us by God and recorded by Matthew to, to help us understand, hey, people of God, you've arrived. You've arrived at where you're supposed to be. You've arrived at the pinnacle moment in all of redemptive history. Believe in Jesus. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. But you know, the unfortunate thing is that even all of these signs that we've been given weren't enough or something. All, that's, all the scripture that's been fulfilled, all the things that Jesus has shown us to this point in the Gospel of Matthew, it wasn't enough for some. They want something clearer to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. And here's the thing. He gave us the resurrection. The resurrection is the proof. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus coming out of the grave is the final proof to show us that he is the Son of God. The ultimate sign, as Paul said, and as Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 12, our text for today. Jesus himself says the resurrection would be what would ultimately testify to the fact that he is the Son of God. Here's what we have to wrestle with today as God's people and those who have joined us on this Easter Sunday. Is the resurrection of Christ enough for you to believe in Jesus? Is it enough? Is the greatest sign given that Jesus is the Son of God? The resurrection, is it enough for you to believe? Here's the reality, friends. If Jesus is dead, nothing matters. If he's alive, nothing else matters. Because he is the Son of God who has come to save us from our sins. Let's see how Jesus points us to this ultimate proof, this ultimate sign of resurrection, of his sonship, and Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 50. Here's what the word of God says. And some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given except this sign, the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh, they'll rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south, She'll rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, put in order. And then it goes and brings with its seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So it will also be with this evil generation. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he, re he replied to the man who told them, 
Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother, here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Our passage begins with a wish, a desire, a request to see a sign. The Pharisees describe, they, they approach Jesus and they say to him, Show us something that's undeniable. Show us something that will definitely prove that you are the promised Messiah, that you are the Son of God. Now, this seems like an odd request as we've been walking through the Gospel of Matthew, right? If you haven't been with us, go read the first 11 chapters of this book. Jesus has already performed a lot of signs to prove, us, to, prove to us his authority over both physical and spiritual things. We've already discussed a few. He healed people. He, he raised a little girl from the dead, but for them it wasn't enough. They were earthly miracles. They wanted something that was directly from God himself, directly from heaven to earth. Like the manna that was given in the wilderness, directly from God to take care of his people as they went through the exodus. Or the fire that fell from heaven when Elijah called out on the top of Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18. But what's interesting is that their request is met harshly by Jesus because he knows the heart of these men. So they're not looking for truth. They're looking for an excuse. Remember, they want to destroy Jesus. We saw that in Romans chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 14. And now they even want to entrap him to give them more ammunition to come after him. Remember, listen, it's okay to come to Jesus with sincere questions. He can handle them. But these men are not sincere. And so Jesus says to them, the only sign that you will get will be the sign of Jonah. And listen to that sign again in verses 39 to 40. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of of the earth. Jesus says something similar to what God did with Jonah, he's going to do with me. It's a pretty remarkable statement, isn't it? Hopefully you remember the story of Jonah. Hopefully you've been exposed to it in vacation Bible school or some other uh, kids' activities, a story we like to talk about a lot. He was a reluctant prophet, to put it nicely, this guy named Jonah. God called him to go to Nineveh which at that time was a wicked, violent, pagan city. But instead of going to Nineveh, Joseph went, uh, Jonah went the exact opposite direction because he's a little afraid of these men. And he didn't want them to repent. He didn't want them to experience the grace of God. He wanted them to be wiped off the face of the earth. And he knew if they repented, God would show them grace. And so he runs. But he doesn't get very far because while he's on a boat... Going the opposite direction, the Lord brings a storm and the people throw him overboard on the boat to free them from the storm. But here's the grace of God to Jonah. Because even though he was disobedient, God did not let him die. He brings about a great fish. And this great fish, as is a true literal story, swallows up Jonah. And he's in the fish for three days, three nights. Until at the Lord's perfect timing, he is spat up on a beach and he goes and does what God called him to do. 
He preaches to the Ninevites and praise the Lord. They respond in repentance. And God shows them grace, even though Jonah is still upset that God would do such a thing. Jesus says that something similar to what happened with Jonah is now going to happen with him. That there's a sign that the fish that led the Ninevites to repentance, because that that provision from God was evidence that Jonah was of God. And there's something similar that's going to happen in Jesus' life that's going to prove to us that Jesus is of God. It's a greater sign than the one given with Jonah because Jesus is a greater Jonah. Now listen, there are many things different about the story of Jesus and the story of Jonah. Jesus was a willing prophet who was perfectly obedient. And listen, he, he rejoices when we who are under the wrath and curse of God repent and find grace in God. But the point is that God's display of power in his life should lead to a greater repentance because it's a greater sign from a greater prophet. Jesus will go into the earth like Jonah went into the fish. And when he comes out, you should know that he is from God and repent. But Jesus also knows these men's hearts. He knows that they're opposed to God. And it probably doesn't matter what sign they're given. They will not believe. Even this powerful sign won't be enough for those whose hearts are hardened and seek to destroy Jesus. They'll find a way to dismiss him. They'll find ways to ignore what they have witnessed. And as a result, their condemnation will be severe. Jesus says, listen, there's a right response to this sign. And oddly enough, Gentiles are the ones who are used here as examples. Not the people of God. People outside the initial covenant of God. The people of Nineveh. These wicked people. When they heard the message of Jonah... And according to Jewish teaching at this time, when they heard that he was saved by God through a fish and spat up on the beach, they believed his message and repented. Evil, wicked, yet repented. The queen of Sheba, the queen of the south mentioned here, whose story is found in 1 Kings 10, when she comes to Solomon seeking wisdom, she recognizes that it is from God and she rejoices and worships the God of Israel. So Pharisees, scribes, who's really missing it? Who's really wicked? Who's really evil? Who's really seeing the heart of God, the power of God? Jesus says, listen, something greater is here. A greater Jonah, a greater Solomon. I got greater wisdom. I got greater prophetic utterance. I will offer a greater sign, and yet many of you will not repent. Nineveh repented. The queen of the south repented. These Gentiles repented. But you will not repent. You will reject me. You should be like these Gentiles. But instead, they're going to offer testimony against you, the people of God, on the day of judgment. And you will receive the wrath of God that you rightly deserve because you didn't let me take it on your behalf. Friends, there's no middle ground when it comes to Jesus. There's only two responses, repentance or rejection. If you repent, if you step into the work of Christ, the, the oppression of this world, 
the effect of sin in your life, it can be removed and you can be filled with the fullness of God in Christ. But if you reject him, you're gonna be filled by something else, according to our text. Verses 43 to 45, an unclean spirit has been gone out of a person. It passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I'm gonna return to the house from which I came. And listen, if you are empty, if you hadn't been filled with something new, it's gonna come back with seven of his friends and dwell there. And your state at the end will be worse than it was at first. So it will be with this evil generation. Jesus says, listen, if you don't accept me and you reject me, you're gonna be filled by something else and it's gonna lead to your eternal destruction. But I'm giving you a moment. I'm giving you an opportunity to see me for who I am, to see the gift of God in me, to recognize that I am the son and respond and let me fill you now and for all eternity. Will this sign be enough? Will it be enough? Because friends, and not too long after this, just a few pages over in the Gospel of Matthew, the words of Jesus come true. In Matthew chapter 27, here's what we see. Jesus wrongly convicted after he was betrayed, beaten, and crucified, we see him give his life willingly as a ransom for many. He dies, and just as he said, he enters the darkness of the earth. He goes into the grave, he steps into death, and he's there for three days. And then, in Matthew chapter 28, something miraculous happens. Mary, Magdalene, the other Mary, they go to the tomb and behold, there's a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came back and rolled back the stone and this angel sits on the stone. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing like white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards, they trembled. They became like dead men. But the angel said to these women, listen to this testimony. Verses five to seven of Matthew 28. Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he's alive. And he's gonna come to you, to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. The sign that Jesus promised, it was given. And friends, it's all that we need. It's all that we need to know that he is the son of God. The greater Jonah has been revealed. The greater Solomon has been revealed. The son of God has been revealed. And think about all that he has given to us. In this sign. Think about all that he has revealed of God in this sign. We get to see the character of God on display through the Easter weekend, right? Think about the love that we see. That God would send his only son, his beloved son, to rescue us who were enemies of God. What kind of love is this? That God would do such a thing. To give up his son as a ransom for many. 
and yet he has done that. Think about the mercy of God that we see on display. When we look at the cross of Christ, we see what we deserved. And Jesus taking it upon himself. We see the wisdom of God. It's mind-blowing to me that, that God would secure our salvation in this way. None of us in our own human understanding would have devised salvation in this way. We wanted an earthly kingdom. We wanted an earthly king. We wanted power in this life only, and yet God shows us a greater salvation. God shows us a greater king, and in so doing, he shows us unparalleled power. Unparalleled power. Listen, if you're honest, if we were honest, we think that death is pretty powerful, don't we? There's no coming back from it. When you're dead, it's final. People weep over it because of the severity of death, that it, the grave will hold us. Something happened different on that day, friends. The grave didn't hold Jesus. That stone was rolled away and his body wasn't taken. It came back to life. And as a result, our perspective on our greatest enemy, our perspective on our greatest threat has eternally changed. Jesus is alive and that changes everything. There's no power. There's no power in this life that is greater than the power of God. And we can rest in that. Listen and, and think about what it speaks to about the authority of Christ. All those signs that, that we saw previously, him healing people and even raising another person from the dead, they were telling us that Jesus has the authority to speak what he is speaking because he has authority over all things. He's authority over the spiritual things as well as the physical things. There's never been a greater display of authority than in this moment when Jesus conquers every single power and principality that we wrestle with as human beings through the victory of the resurrection. What sign do you need? What do you need to see from Jesus? to believe. And that act came directly from God the Father, who from heaven called Jesus from the grave. And now that grave is empty and the throne is occupied. What a stunning display of God's power and favor. What a stunning sign to show us that Jesus is the Son. And because of that, we have the promise of new. New life, new future, a new reality and fellowship with our creative God, creator God through the work of the Son. And the world has never been the same since that day. The sign turned the world upside down. And when the Spirit fell on the people who believed at Pentecost, the church was born and continues to this day. And we give testimony to the Son that God showed us in the sign because the healing was greater than we could have imagined. It wasn't just physical healing, it was spiritual healing. The reach of God's grace went further than we could have ever imagined as he released us from the bondage of sin and death, the kingdom that God established was greater than we could have ever imagined. It wasn't just for a moment, it was for all of eternity. 
and the Son alone could do it. Here's the question. Do you believe this? Do you believe the Son that was promised and fulfilled? Do you believe that Jesus went into the heart of the earth, dying for our sins, and three days later was brought back to declare not only a message of repentance, but of our provision for God's work in the repentance? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Oh, I hope you do. I hope even now the Holy Spirit is either affirming belief in your heart or as he is, he's working in your heart to evidence new faith that Jesus is the Son of God, that you've been wrecked this morning by the reality that Jesus died for you, but he didn't stay dead, but he came back to life. And that you would confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you would, that you would say that Jesus is who he said he was, And he did what he said he would do so that we could be saved from our sin and filled with him, given new life, now and eternity. Do you believe? Believe. And if you do, here's the promise. New life awaits. A new family awaits, by the way. According to Matthew chapter 12, this last section, verses 46 to 50 Jesus is still speaking. Behold his mother, his brothers, they stand outside asking to speak with him. But he says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? They're trying to interrupt in this moment the work that God's called me to do. But these men over here, my disciples, they are my mother. They are my brothers because they are joining me in doing the will of my father who is in heaven. You get new life. You get a new family. Surrounded by people who love doing the will of God together. But if you don't believe, and remember there's only two responses. Receiving or rejecting. You will be held accountable for rejecting Jesus when he has shown you so clearly who he is. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. See the sign. See the sign today that he's given, that we celebrate on this Resurrection Sunday. The tomb is empty. We've arrived at our true destination. See the sign. This is Paris. This is the Son of God. He is who he said he is. And we will never be the same. So friends, let us rejoice today. Something greater has come. Someone greater has come in Jesus. And the resurrection is proof. He's alive. He is the son of God. The greater Jonah, the greater Solomon. And that changes everything. How can we respond on this Easter morning? Hopefully some of y'all are going to be whooping. Praise the Lord. But again, the text is very clear. The first response is belief. A belief that can only be given from God. But a belief that you have an opportunity to engage in right now. 
to the proclamation of the word of God, to the fact that he's showing you the sign. Do you see it? Do you see the, the greatness of Jesus? Do you see that he is the son of God? Remember, there is no middle ground. What will you be filled with? When Jesus returns, will your oppression, will your hardness of heart lead you to an eternity of separated from God? Will your last state is worse than your first? You may come in this morning thinking you're broken. You may come in this morning feeling pain, disease, sickness, all the effects of this earth. Listen, apart from Jesus, what awaits you is worse. But in Christ, you can step out of that grave today along with him and experience the far reach of his victory. Friends, will you believe? And will you worship if you believe? Oh, that our hearts would be so filled with the grace of God to give us such incredible proof that Jesus is of God. Securing our new life in Jesus. Let's worship, and not just in song, with our lives. May it be that we as a people in this new family that God has created spend every moment of our life delighting in doing the will of the Father. There's no better expression of worship than that. That everything we do, as with Jesus, was for the will and the glory of God. And then finally, will you tell? Remember Christ's instructions to these women? who are the first to testify the fact that the tomb is empty, the angel says to them, not Jesus, the angel of Jesus, go quickly, tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you, and you will see him there. Do you remember the words of Paul and the beginning of Romans that we read earlier? That concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh, verse 3, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, listen, verse 5, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith, doing the will of the Father for the sake of his name among all the nations. All of this was for the sake of his name among all the nations. If we've seen the sign then our responsibility, having believed in the sign, is to go and tell others he's alive. And that changes everything. He is the Son of God. And that changes everything. Will you tell what you have seen? Will you tell what you have believed? Listen, listen, Jesus did not return in silence. He appeared to people. He talked to them. He declared the kingdom of God and the message of repentance. And he doesn't ask for us to wait for him to return in silence, but rather he commands us to go and tell. What we have believed, may we share. Because if this is true, it changes everything. And my friends, it is true. And it changes everything. Wherever you are, do you bow your heads? Spend some time before the Lord asking him to help you know how to respond to this message from the word of God. As we sit and reflect on the sign of Jonah, that Jesus died, he was buried, 
he went into the heart of the earth for three days. But then Jesus brought him out. I mean, God brought him out. And he's alive. Do you believe? If you've never believed, but right now you sense the Lord working up in you to believe, that you're, you're seeing God's power and his grace and his mercy on display in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and it's becoming of first importance to you in your life, would you just submit? Would you rep repent today of your sin and give your life to Christ? Or maybe this morning you're just having your belief affirmed. You're rejoicing today because you've seen once again the reality that Christ is alive and you know that changes everything. Would you worship today? Would you rejoice in song in just a minute? Would you commit this week along with this family of faith to do the will of the Father in everything that we do? And would you tell Maybe later today, maybe this week. Easter's not about some weird bunny that happens to lay eggs somehow. It's not about candy. It's about a different, better miracle. A true miracle. That Jesus is alive. And that changes everything. Father, would you help us be faithful? Thank you for your grace to us that you would give us such a powerful display of your favor upon Jesus, a powerful display of your character and your nature toward us, and the authority that we step into under King Jesus. Thank you that his healing was greater than we could have imagined. The life he gave was greater than we could have imagined. That his kingdom was better than we could have imagined. May we worship you today because of it. And may we do what the angel said and tell others. Because all of this is for your glory. And we want to live our lives in such a way to bring you glory. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's let our first response, church family, be to sing. Let's stand and declare some gospel truth and song together.